Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. But if you fire your coach early... You better have a plan. Pete I'd get like one of the biggest scoops of my career and 15 minutes later, I'm getting harassed for being yes. wrong. <laughs> With his eyes, Pat Forty. So Lincoln Riley, yeah, they got he's got to figure out the defensive part of it, I think still. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Welcome to the pod. Quote, I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. End quote. One Lincoln Riley, resident of Norman, Oklahoma at the time, stated on Saturday night. Then he said, next question. And unfortunately, no one said, what about USC, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) That should have been the next question. Well, you know, I don't blame him. Instead, they asked about all sorts of stuff. And he was talking about how well he works at the AD and no concerns. And yeah, he had no concerns about transitioning to the SEC because he wasn't doing it. (laughs) he's like i gotta little get some spf i had to get some flip-flops i'm heading to usc we said this would be a wild coaching uh coaching carousel and uh this one's the biggest craziness of of yet lincoln riley's been raiding southern california recruits now returns and he can try to keep them home uh thoughts on the hire lincoln riley to usc pat Hey, when the job came open, I said he should be the top candidate. So kudos to USC for getting him. Somebody on this podcast said, and I quote, he's not going to USC. (laughs) Pete, stand up. (laughs) He's going to USC. He's gone. I think it's a great hire for for the Trojans. Uh, Was that the person who's 20, 20 spots ahead of you in the race for the case who said that? (laughs) you're, You're two spots ahead of me. I remember him talking about, oh, Mule Shoe, Texas. Yeah, yeah. he's from Mule Shoe, oh, Texas. Shoe. He's not going to, Lu- to Los Angeles. Hey, no one's from Los Angeles. They all come there. You ever heard of Route 66? They've been towing through Oklahoma to attack California all the time. And, uh, nobody's That's from why Los- I like this podcast. I, I get like one of the biggest scoops of my career and 15 minutes later I'm getting harassed for being yes. wrong. <laughs> that's, that's, this, right. is, this is exactly, exactly you were wrong where, months ago though. Yes, you were wrong yes. months ago. I was wrong months ago. Nope. I, I will own it. I did not think Lincoln Riley would go. Anyway, Pat, finish your thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. The guy, he's not, he's not won it all yet, but he's won a lot and he's on the cutting edge, obviously offensively. He's on the cutting edge in recruiting. Uh, USC needs sizzle 
He brings offensive sizzle to the table. As Dan noted, he's been recruiting in California already and in the West, on the Western United States. There was a lot of wondering, like, where exactly is USC going? And I think they wound up, they may end up being the big winners out of this uh, carousel churn. We'll see how it all turns out. But I think LSU thought they were getting Lincoln Riley and wound up having the rug pulled out from under them. And we'll see what happens with LSU in all of this. I think there's some panic in Baton Rouge. But uh, this is uh, big, big news. You don't you don't have coaches very often go from places like Oklahoma to USC. This is huge. And I can't wait to see how it works out. And I welcome USC back to relevance. They have their best coach since Pete Carroll. Yeah, it's a monumentous hire for uh, for SC. I don't actually think LSU thought they were getting Lincoln Riley. I really just I didn't buy into any of that stuff. I just didn't think it was real. Yeah, I just didn't. I, I don't think like LSU got the rug pulled out from under him. Uh, as we tape this on Sunday afternoon, I still think that Scott Woodward wants Jimbo Fisher. Now that may that door may be closed by the time this podcast populates in your feed, but uh, that has been his target. And I, I, I'm not saying he didn't knock on the door or Lincoln Riley or anything like that. Like I think all these guys do their whale due diligence, right? Right now, Scott Woodard's whale is still uh, is, is still Jimbo Fisher after he lost in his in his stadium the other night, uh, Saturday night. So, but back to to Riley to USC. I, I really think this is not only a jolt for USC's relevance; it's a jolt for the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is down right now, and it reminds me a little bit of when Urban Meyer got to Ohio State. The whole league needed a boost. It needed like an electric, uh, a, a little bit of an electrical shock. And Mario Cristobal has given that to some extent. But Lincoln Riley is different, man. It's going to be hard for skill kids to not go play for Lincoln Riley. That's really what this comes down to is if you are the next DJ Uwe Ungalale, if you are the next Bryce Young, there is a lot more incentive to stay home now than there was during the Clay Helton era. Um, It'll be interesting to see what he does on different sides of the ball, how the staff stuff works out. There's a lot of different reverberations from all this. But right now, as as we sit here on on the uh, on the first Sunday, USC has won the coaching carousel. Uh, I, it would it would it would take a it would take a pretty seismic hire to top them. This is one of the biggest hires in years, and uh, you know props to uh, props to folks at USC for uh, for for getting their whale. It's fifty five and ten. It's thirty seven and seven in the uh, Big Twelve. He's young. He's got the offense. It's exciting. Look, Relique Brown, five star from San Ana Modern Day, committed to Oklahoma. Class of 2022, he's got, uh, or that's class of 2022. Uh, he's got uh, Malachi Nelson, per- perhaps the number one quarterback in the country. I know Manning's ranked number one, but uh, he's from Los Alamitos. Uh, he's got Oklahoma has three of the top seven players in the state of California committed right now to the class of 2023. Nobody else in the top seven has committed anywhere. Three of the top seven, and, and they're all in Southern California, all from Los Alamitos are going to Oklahoma. Well, if you just do that, you've improved USC's recruiting and their number one problem. You're not relevant somehow in Southern California. So that alone is going to be a big thing. What what the buzz I heard out of Oklahoma this week was there was all this concern that that it was like Lincoln, there was something up and, and there was just a, a little bit of distance. And that's what made people think he's leaving. And I think that's why everyone said, oh, maybe he's going to LSU and no one saw USC coming. Uh, let me give this credit to USC because this is the problem that L- I don't know what LSU is going to do. That they may prove me 100% wrong. But if you fire your coach early, you better have a plan. 
You can't just, and it looked, it looked until this announcement, like USC was like, uh, who are we going to ask? Like if you're, you, you use this time to set this up. Hey, they set it up, man. I mean, they set it up. Bedlam uh, ended, <laughs> you know, whatever, 14 hours before they make this announcement. So uh, they, he didn't just wake up on Saturday, on Sunday morning, and there was a call, and he said, "I'm gone." I, unlikely to have how it went down. So, excellent job by USC at running their search, identifying a guy, and bringing uh, bringing in somebody who's going to add a lot of pop and should greatly change the recruiting dynamic. I mean, I expect all of those kids to flip to USC. They weren't going to Oklahoma uh, because they like the barbecue. They were going because of Lincoln Riley. And now Lincoln Riley's in their backyard. You don't yeah. think the Southern California quarterbacks had cowboy boots, Dan? <laughs> Good sunsets. Good sunsets. <laughs> Good sunsets. Uh, let me give you this, though, on, on the other side, because, you know, I do occasionally quote my anonymous, very bitter Oklahoma friend. We've done this. Uh, this is kind of a ongoing saga. Let's see. Hold on. Oh, he's got a lot here. <laughs> a few sour grape facts. So it, it, listen up, Trojan fan. <laughs> <laughs> All those playoff appearances, not good enough. Lincoln inherited a program that was already in the playoffs. He did not land Baker. He did not land Kyler. He did land Jalen Hurts, who regressed as the season went on. He never <laughs> won a game as a coach at OU where he's an underdog. Uh, he never beat a team at any point in the season. It went into November with zero losses or one loss. He never had a top 50 defense. Make sure to also note that when Lincoln took a look at the landscape and realized that OU decided to play with the big boys and his team who have made a habit out of getting railed by those big boys, he opted for the chance to play against Arizona, Cal, Arizona State, Utah, UCLA, and the rest of the gaggle of Big 12 teams that only live under new names in the Pac-12. Man, there's some bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some under underlying validity to some of that. Yeah, it's not no, all I wrong mean, now. Not all no. wrong. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like Lincoln Riley, and you could say the same thing about Ryan Day. While they are the hot young offensive genius coaches, they haven't quite mastered it yet. Okay, we've seen that this year. Though I'm sorry, but ten and two for both those teams is disappointing. That tells you about the standard at Ohio State and at Oklahoma, but they are accustomed to dominating their leagues, and neither of them are going to win their conference championship. Neither of them are going to the playoff. Both were expected to go to the playoff before the season. Uh, so Lincoln Riley, yeah, they got he's got to figure out the defensive part of it, I think, still. You know, it's, it's one thing to go and beat Arizona and Arizona State and, and those folks. Now, you you know, if, you, if you're going to get into the playoff, try not to get blown out of the playoff as Oklahoma has been time and time again. So from that standpoint, yeah. But, you know, this is a guy that's, I mean, he's an elite coach. He's only 38, all right? He's going he's gonna to keep getting better, as is Ryan Day, and eventually both those guys will win national championships. I have little doubt about that. But it's not like... It is all just he is that he is a finished product. At this no point. doubt. But this is as no, no one ever knows whether the hire is going to work. You never, ever no, know. You don't, you don't, but this is an excellent hire. I mean, there's it, it, no, there's no, uh, this is, this is the nitpicking and that's fine. Believe me right now, SC will take 12 and two and losing <laughs> in the playoffs. You think? Absolutely. I mean, they've been a train wreck for years. So this is uh, this is a big time upgrade. All for right, what's them. Oklahoma do? That's the big question. Now, they, I'll, I'm sorry, Pete, I'll let you talk in a minute here. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I talked to somebody 
uh, from down there during the last week with when there was starting to be the, the LSU buzz and everything. And they were like, why? They're very defensive. Why, why do people always say that Bob Stoops is leaving? Why do people always say that Lincoln Riley is leaving? Well, now Lincoln Riley's done left because you changed the equation on him. You're now going into the SEC from a league that you dominated. And the realignment brothers are not in a very good spot right now. Texas is a dumpster fire, and Oklahoma just lost its coach heading on the cusp of going into the SEC. How many good luck pe- with that one. How many programs have ever made a move in conferences and did as well? It's like uh, Utah next. Like yeah. it's, it's one dynamic doesn't it, it's it's just you change the dynamic, you know, like it's just it, things change and you go, well, I can't. It's 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 dicey and coaches know that it's not all just like, oh, all right, we're winning every game. You're looking at the SEC and going, well, what's going to happen when I start? I don't I don't get to play the Kansas schools and I have the advantage over everyone. Right. Not as fun. The names for Oklahoma are interesting. And like, this is not a, you know, you sit around at the, at the, at the bar in Columbus, Georgia, like Pat and I were doing uh, this weekend. You sit around and talk about names for jobs, right? We do that all the time. Hey, what if this open? I don't think I've sat around and talked about names for Oklahoma for a while. Is that fair, Pat? Like just, it's just not something because it's a great job. And the thing that's made it great, look, they have great leadership. They have great facilities. They have great investment. They have done a masterclass in lapping Texas into obscurity through great leadership alignment and investment. Um, the Oklahoma, somebody could do a fascinating master's thesis on why Oklahoma with seemingly inferior local talent has been exponentially better than Texas for the past two decades. It's a pretty fascinating, it's a pretty fascinating case study. So all that said, the consistency of Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley would basically cover what? Nearly two decades, right? I don't know. The, more, the, the, more than. More, more than, than two decades. It goes back to okay. the late 90s. Yeah, this is like their first coaching search since, I don't know, like 98 yeah. or something. Yeah, and you've got to think it's it's not going to do that. So I'm going to throw out three names, and I haven't made a call on this. Like, this news is just fresh. Three names that I think are very interesting here. Is Sully going to panic? So he's not going to panic. Okay. So I mean, Joe Castiglione fired Josh Heupel. Don't forget. He did. Yeah, Heupel hates OU, so. Okay. That, that, that okay. I would like to make Sully nervous, though. I may throw his name in just to, uh, to unsettle him. So. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> we finally have our guy. Tennessee um, coach Josh <laughs> Imagine what they'd throw on the field if he left. Man, um, the crap <laughs> the right on that rock is going to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sully's going to get it. He's going to build his own rock in Southern California and start writing on it. Yep. Yeah. All right, go ahead. So I'm going to be chunking mustard bottles from L.A. <laughs> Obvious name number one is Matt Campbell. All right. yep. I thought Matt Campbell was going to go to USC. Um, Washington. I, I, yeah, and he could go to Washington. That could that could well uh, that could well be happened by the time you listen to this podcast. Um, Oklahoma is a better job than Washington. They're very yeah. different jobs, but they're better. Um, there was some thought last year that Matt Campbell didn't want to like move within the league and play against his guys. We'll see if we'll see if that happens. That is, I would say that he would be the odds-on favorite. Two kind of quirky hires here. One is Mark Stoops. He has built Kentucky into a solid SEC program. He's Bob's brother. There's familiarity there with the families. There's overlap there. That would make a lot of sense. Hey, we're going to the SEC. This guy knows how to build a really solid program in the SEC. And the thought is with a better brand and a better recruiting footprint, he could, you know, he could really, he could really ramp it up and make us more competitive than he has Kentucky. And that's not to knock what he's done in Kentucky, but he's pretty much maximized Kentucky better than anyone in the last century. So from there, 
my quirky outlier name is Dan Lanning at Georgia. So you're going into the SEC. And this is a little bit like the Bob Stoops hire 20-some years ago, 20-plus years ago. Dan Lanning has been historically good on defense. He's young. He brings energy. He understands how to recruit. He's from that footprint, from the Kansas area. And I just think, like, I'm mentioning him most because he fits the Bob Stoops mold. Bob Stoops was an elite defensive coordinator at Kansas, an elite defensive coordinator at Florida. And it's fair to say, Pat, that when Oklahoma hired Bob Stoops, he wasn't a household name. Is that right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, that was like Spurrier just turned the whole defense over to him and yes. Spurrier stayed with the ball play. So he was known around Florida, but that's, you know, in the it SEC. Was a risky but no. hire. It was a risky yeah. hire. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's my point is like, maybe they say, all right, like this guy has the blueprint for how it works from Kirby smart. And we take that blueprint and he can, he can usher us into the sec and make sure we're operating on that level. I mean, the, the key at Georgia, how they've gotten where they are, it, it's not like some great secret. It's great, great players. And they have invested in that recruiting department. I did a story about this before the title game in 17. They basically took the Alabama recruiting Death Star and duplicated it in Athens. And it would be interesting to see how that operation compares to what's at Oklahoma currently and if they would want a young coach to come in and do that. So anyway, there I am sure I'm missing names here. Those are just three names off the top of my head. One obvious, one kind of fun, and one a little bit outside the box. Um, Pat, who else do you like there? Okay, go ahead. No, I, I think your names are good. I mean, I, the, the first two for sure. I, like the, I mean, I like the theory behind Lanning. Um, but Campbell, yes. If, if he feels like he's maxed what he can do at Iowa State, you know, and you want – to finally go to some place that is a Cadillac job. Here's your chance. And then Stoops absolutely makes sense. And as, as you said, brother there as advisor, as, you know, background guru, whatever, you know, role you want Bob to play, he would probably gladly play it. Uh, and he's done well in the SEC in a much harder place you would think to win in the SEC. So uh, after those two names, I boy, I like, you know, like I said, the, the landing theory is is a good one. It's an interesting one. Uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll I don't give know. You two, I'll give you two names that, that, along along those lines, which is totally they, that I think are are long shots, too. I think this is I think this is Campbell's job. If you, you know, like that's the obvious guy. And then Stoops. But if we're going to go young defensive coordinator, why not Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame? Okay. Now, it doesn't have the SEC ties, but he's doing a phenomenal job and is a big time, has shown to be a very big time recruiter. The true wild card here is very popular in the area. Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator yeah. of the Cowboys, mm. he is considered super so hot. I have no idea if he wants to leave the NFL because he may have an NFL job very soon. Um, but the former Boise State quarterback is a huge deal in the NFL right now. People love him. And uh, the fans of in Oklahoma cheer for the Cowboys. So he's, he's a much more of a known commodity there. I would, I would you know, would have a name that resonates uh, in the Metroplex, mm -hmm. which is only, if you don't know the geography, too, it's only a couple hours from Oklahoma. The reason Oklahoma has historically been good is because they care a tremendous amount about fo uh, football there for a long, long time. And they're not that far from Dallas and, and Fort Worth and all those players. So, uh, and in some, some parts of the state, they're closer than 
than the University of Texas and certainly Texas A&M because Texas is so big. So those are that's kind of why. But I don't know. I mean, this is so new. I don't I don't think there's a short list, but they've got a great AD there to look at. All right, let's move. There's so much to get to today. Lots. So thoughts, because we've got to get to the games. By the way, Michigan beat Ohio State and uh, the Iron Bowl went four, four overtimes. <laughs> Just a couple of little items and the playoffs almost you know, like, yeah, okay, we'll get to all that. Very quickly, Billy Napier to Florida. Pete, your thoughts on Billy Napier to Florida? Uh, they seem to go with, they, they, they didn't want to get in this derby. They, they identified the guy and this is the guy they want. They're not, they're, you know, at least they, at least they got a plan, right? Yeah, targeted strike by AD Scott Strickland. This is who they wanted, and uh, look, he's built Louisiana into a power and has a plan, right? B- Billy Napier is a meticulous, thoughtful, thorough guy who basically took a hybrid of the Saban model and applied it in a way at Louisiana. And I give him credit; he also has been targeted and meticulous. Could have gone to Auburn. Could have gone to South Carolina. Could have could have gone to Tennessee, and said, you know what? I'm going to wait for a better job. Knew the kind of team he had coming back at Louisiana. And look, had a few nail biters this year. I'm sure there were a couple fourth quarters on the sideline there in Lafayette this year where he was like, hmm, maybe I should have gone for that paycheck. But uh, really good work by both parties. Billy on his part for saying, I'm going to wait for a job where I have a true chance to win the national title. And Scott Strickland said, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to get caught up in this, in this insanity of the carousel. I am going to lock in and I am going to find my guy and go get him. And you know they basically had him by uh, by by noon on uh, by noon on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it was it was smart and well orchestrated uh, the way they did it. And um, I think it's going to work out well. I am again, going back to Dan's point, you never know. You do not know. Uh, but I think there's a lot of reasons to think that Billy Napier is going to just continue to be a very successful coach um, for the rest of or for a long time. If you talk to like the people in the Saban pipeline, they Napier's one of the most highly regarded, well-respected guys that were in the uh, amongst all the great assistant coaches they've had in the Alabama tenure for Saban. And he was good in terms terms of you know work ethic and coaching and developing players but he was a very good recruiter too and he was a good recruiter in Florida I believe he was uh, part and parcel of recruiting Calvin Ridley and Jerry Judy who were both Florida Floridians who went to Alabama if you're the University of Florida you think huh well maybe if you get those kind of talents to come Florida instead of leaving we could have something here uh, including Ja'Cory Brooks who caught the the touchdown that saved Alabama's season he's another Florida kid um, yesterday but anyway uh, I, I I, I think that uh, Florida did well to come out of this with somebody who they could get and who is going to, I think, have a very good chance to succeed as opposed to chasing here, there, and everywhere else and suddenly being left holding a bag that's empty or half full. All right. So, yeah, this is the thing. We don't know. Some of these are going to hit. Some of them aren't. Uh, one guy who we thought was going to be a hit, he's a hit now. Took a while. 2015, Jim Harbaugh goes to Michigan, returns to his alma mater. His job was to to, to shore things up. Uh, It took a little longer than he hoped. But 42-27 on Saturday in Ann Arbor, uh, they beat the Buckeyes. They win the Big Ten East. They head to Indianapolis to play Iowa with the college football playoff and a number two seed in that thing right there in front of them. Uh, massive victory for Michigan. They they didn't just defeat Ohio State. They beat them to a pulp. It was physical. 
It was old school, Big Ten. It's really old school, as Pete Pete's story last week said, uh, Stanford. It was the way uh, Harbaugh played it at Stanford. He said last spring he realized he had a team that could maul people, and he thought, at that time, this is what's going to beat Ohio State if we can just punch him in the punch him in the mouth. And and they did amazing game. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, three sacks through two holding penalties, 15 quarterback pressures in a single game. Wow. Uh, okay. How's that? Ojabu had his own on the opposite side, the, the offensive line of Michigan, 297 yards gained rushing, uh, 169 from Hassan Haskins. He had over a hundred yards before contact. Ohio State's defensive line did not have a single tackle for a loss. Michigan had six touchdown drives, 63, 66, 81, 78, 82, and 75 yards. On those six drives, they only saw third down seven times combined. In the second half, they only made two third downs, and on both of them, they drew penalties. So technically, Michigan was zero for zero in third down conversions in the second half. They killed them. I mean, they just killed them. Uh, I, I can't even imagine a football game where you don't go to third down. Yeah. Uh, at this level, very early in the game is Michigan right before the pick on the second, second series. Michigan is just running through Ohio state. It was like, I, you couldn't believe your eyes. I'm at the game. sitting next to my friend Gator Anderson. It was a, a talk show in Detroit. And uh, he's not a Michigan. He's a, went to Michigan state. He's not there to be some Michigan slappy, believe me. And he goes, I think Michigan's going to kill him. I think, but what if Michigan blows them out? And we're like, that can't happen. That can't happen. It didn't happen because they couldn't guard the wide receivers, but it kind of happened. I mean, they just, they just pounded them. No, I didn't see it coming. I don't think any of us saw it coming. I thought if they played a perfect game, they beat them by three. Uh, I'm sure you guys watch your thoughts on it all and what it means for, for Harbaugh on this program. Uh, Pat had to have it and, and to get it in that fashion as a, as a significant underdog, but you're in your home and you just go out and pummel them. Uh, I mean, that, that was really, really impressive. Just dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides. And yeah, the, the rush end tandem they've got going on reminds me of, like LSU 2007, where like they don't have to be like super explosive offensively because they can run the ball fine and then they're just going to terrorize the other team. I mean, when they get you in passing situations, you are under extreme duress. And even with great receivers making great plays, they, like you said, they were still all over C.J. Stroud. And I mean, that that is a tandem that, changes the way you have to play against them i think and uh so you know huge breakthrough yes from from the bitterly disappointed fourth and one 2016 when everything stopped going up for jim harbaugh's tenure there and then started going down now boom it is shot back up he even said i think he said this feels like a beginning it's kind of like yeah, chapter two here, and uh, they're they're getting the Jim Harbaugh they wanted to get. Uh, his biggest victory, his finest day as a Michigan Wolverine coach for sure. So I'm going to turn it back to Dan before I offer my thoughts. Like that looked awesome, Dan. Like just give us a little. You were there, man. Like give us a little to feel the emotion. Dan wrote a wonderful column about this game on Yahoo Sports. You could feel the snow stinging your skin as you uh, as you read it. Just give us some give us some snapshots of that day and what do you remember about that day? Like ten years from now, when you think back about it, it, it seemed just like a a perfectly scripted Big Ten scene. 
Well, yeah, the the weather uh, the weather was was perfect, right? Uh, for for this, uh, Woody Hayes used to talk and say playing this game was like uh, uh, going to war in the North Atlantic, and that, <laughs> he, he always liked practicing outside because he, he had to prepare for for this kind of thing. And all over, you know, I know a lot of Michigan fans, and uh, they, you know, it's all just they're trying to talk themselves into it. They really believe in this team, but they've just been so broken through the years that they're just like, uh, you know, you would have thought the Patriots were showing up. <laughs> just, you know, it just had gotten to where there's no way every guy on Ohio State's better than all of our guys and all of that. I, I think I talked about how it, it the cop the hope turned to to disbelief to confidence like one drive at a time. It just was like, oh my god, they did it again. That's another. I mean, look at those look at those six TD drives. I mean, those are yeah, nothing cheap there. And there was another long one that they had to, to pick the pick uh, interception. I mean, they just moved it at will on them. It, it slowly was like, oh, my God, they can't stop us. Uh, there was a moment, I forget who did it, the Ohio State kid ripped the helmet off, uh, uh, on a play. He should have gotten thrown out of the game. Cracks me up in college football. Like, we'll go to 17 video replay views to see whether an incidental collision is, is helmet to helmet and a guy will get tossed. But if you literally take a <laughs> take a dude's face mask and rip his helmet off, it's like, eh, we we'll just get 15 yards there. It's like, it's like a hockey, it's like hockey, right? It makes no freaking sense. I don't know. You can totally punch a guy in the face if your gloves are off, but not when the gloves are on. So, and, and it was like, wow, they are, they've, Ohio State's rattled. Like they're, they're, they're frustrated. And then, and, and all the pre-snap penalties. And it's like, is this, you know, it just was, it was all there. And so it was it, that, that hope. And then the build, it, there's nothing kind of cooler. And I wish you're, you're in the stand. The problem with the press box is it's, it's uh, sterile, right? But you could just see the fans like, all right, we're here. Let's see if we can do it to, oh my God, to, oh my God, holy crap. We're in a, oh my, we're, and then it was just like bedlam. And you see in like 60 year old dudes climbing over the wall to run on the field and <laughs> <laughs> looking down at the people. Like they weren't just coming from the student section. They're coming from like the, you know, like the, the, the big booth. People hadn't had anything to cheer for in 20 years. It was just like, oh my God. And so it was a, that was that was kind of fun to see, and just seeing the the tilt on that, and looking at Ohio State rattled. Ohio State they went twenty three straight Big Ten games, and then all of a sudden it was like they didn't know what they were like. They were it was like the shock, like oh my god, someone fought back, and and there it was. So it was a it was a fascinating scene, and then the snow just kind of added to it because it was like for for this rivalry, that's perfect weather. Yeah, that's I, I tweeted actually that I'm sure my memory is is playing tricks on me. But like every Bo Woody game from the 70s that I remember was like that. Maybe not snow, but cold as hell, you know. And so this was like perfect. That's the way you want to see Michigan Ohio State. And for once, you like to see one a good rivalry. You need the other team to win sometimes, yes. you yes. know. Yeah. So I'd, from that I'd, standpoint, I'd written the like five times like why is this a rivalry still call? I got there. I'm like, I just make it close, please. Like for my selfish <laughs> purposes. So, yeah. <laughs> but and then I, I'll say this: two things, okay. One, Michigan can win the national title. Michigan can win the national title. They're if they beat Iowa, and Iowa does not have an offense, like they can lose to Iowa too. I'm not. This could just be a blip. But they're sitting at I looking at if everything holds, playing Iowa and then Cincinnati. All due respect to Cincinnati. It's a pot, you know, like that. If Michigan's, if you could draw a team, that's the one everyone's going to want, right? And then they're in, they could be in the national championship. They have Iowa and Cincinnati standing between them and the national championship game. 
And if they're playing Georgia, I do not expect that they would be favorites. I probably won't pick them to beat Georgia. Georgia still has Stetson Bennett, the, the boutique law firm, as their their guy. Like, <laughs> that pass rush is serious. I don't know. Uh, Hassan Haskins is a way of falling. He's one of those great backs that always falls forward. Stop him I for literally three, said and, the same and, thing and he's got Pat. five. Yes, Pat yeah. and I said in the Auburn press box, I said the same thing. That guy must, he's good for two yards of carry every fall forward. Yeah, yeah. He said, you, know, you stopped him, oh, stopped him. Oh, no, 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 fell forward. Oh, second and four. It's like, oh, no. They can win the national championship. And uh, if you, uh, there's no way any, any, any of us thought that. Uh, a month and a half ago. I don't think, I don't know they will, but they're, they're right there. So I don't uh, think the they can win the national championship. Uh, it, they, I don't know. They'd have to be Georgia, but we don't know yeah. that, that, uh, that pass rush on a small quarterback. If they get home, who knows? That's all yeah. I'm saying. It, it, I know. Like I said, I mean, they, they, they changed the dynamic of games. There's no doubt about it. Now, Stetson Bennett, is the number two quarterback in the nation in efficiency. He's having a really good year. And the thing is, he doesn't have to do that much because the defense is so good. So we we can we can discuss all of that we'll later. We'll discuss that in a month. Yeah. If yeah. it gets to that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Michigan can lose. All right, here's my other one. Is Jim Harbaugh got his mojo back? Remember wise ass Jim Harbaugh, stir the drink, Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, sleepover recruits houses, hold these little camps for no purpose. Go to Rome. Go to, Go Rome. to Rome. Yeah. All the, all the create to play, throw catch with his shirt off. Like just weird Jim Harbaugh stuff. Like he, he you could see, he finally got his thing back and I hope he keeps it. But his line about Ryan day, Ooh. who last summer said he wanted to beat Michigan by a hundred, hang a hundred on him. Now this was after Harbaugh thought accused to said something about Ohio state cheating and all that it goes back and forth. But Harbaugh had to sit there. Harbaugh goes, well, you know, they kind of bring up, did anything get said that matter? Oh, we're going to have humble hearts. We're going to take the high road. Then he's like, ah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Sometimes people that are standing on third base and think they hit a triple, but they didn't. Now, whether that is accurate or not of Ryan Day or whatever, who cares? That is a shot right at Ryan Day. Pete, you know Ryan Day better than I do, but I'm thinking that did not go over too well down there. Yeah, well, Ryan Day is from a blue-collar family in New Hampshire. Um, you know, his dad passed when he was nine. He kind of prides himself on being the antithesis of a born-on-third-base guy, and that's not in specific to this comment. That's just generally in life, and he's been quoted saying that over the years, and I certainly have, don't have a sense yet you know 24 hours later his thoughts on on that comment but knowing him a bit uh i would imagine that is going to burrow deep into his soul like that that is uh you know that is like dan if i accused you of being a craft beer snob yeah right like it just it just it's insulting it, it is just it factually is the, yeah it is the opposite is the antithesis of who ryan day is and how he got it now he did get handed a cadillac program like but he earned his he he very much earned his trip there. So um, and, and, and that's that, what Harbaugh was, was correct. referring no, I to. Know, yeah. I know. But like but yeah. You you don't you don't drop the born on third base, you know. That's a <laughs> that's a tr- that's a trust fund baby quote. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like that's the kind of thing. And that is uh oof, that, that quote will be repeated thousands and thousands of times between now and the next time these teams play. And he, um, yeah, no, it, Harbaugh had, he was, he was feeling himself again and oh yeah, he had been, yeah. mute, he'd been neutered and 
silent yeah. lately, you know? Yeah. P- part of my criticism of Harbaugh, and I've been very critical of Harbaugh, um, you know, in past years, was that it almost was like he stopped caring. Now, I'm not saying like he stopped going to work or doing anything like that, but he was just attached. He just looked like last season, he just looked like emotionally detached from it all. Um, I remember this is the guy who got the sideline penalty in that 16 game that set up the uh, that, that set up one of the touchdowns when when Ohio State's offense was abysmal and couldn't move the ball. You know, Harbaugh was a was just this presence, and then he was just like gone. Uh, there were all these big ideas and big plans and everything just faded away. So look, we are uh, on this podcast, as you know, we are all for trash talk. We are all for spicing up rivalries and man, that is a Molotov cocktail right into the heart of the Woody Hayes athletic complex. And that, that quote will be felt for a long time. Yeah. That day, that's what rivalries are made of is stuff like that. Right. So that's, it's uh, as if we needed Ohio state and Michigan to flare up again. Well, We've got stuff, so this is good. This is really good. Um, and, yeah, I am sure – I mean, I would guess Harbaugh was referring more to his, uh, you know, his professional path to getting that job at age 39. But, you know, I've, Ryan Day's done pretty well so far in that job. Not perfectly, again, but uh, it's not like – I don't look at that the same way as I looked at, like, Lane Kiffin when he got USC or when he got the Raiders, for the love of God. But uh, – this uh, no, th- this is just going to be fascinating now to see. Yes, does the does the how far does the Harbaugh mojo carry over from this? If it's back, you know, is he going to get back? Is he going to be big at taking big swings in recruiting? Is he going to be beating Ohio State for players? Are their talent on paper going to match up with them? You know, is is Michigan going to be a national player? Going forward, I hope so, because it's more fun that way. So uh, this could be a new beginning, as Harbaugh said. Let's see how it plays out. Sorry, let's talk about the game you guys were at, Iron Bowl. Uh, first off, how drunk did everyone get in Columbus? Did, did, did the bartenders of Columbus, Georgia, have a have a happy Thanksgiving on, on Friday night with you two together? The, the good people at Nonic, uh, they, they took care of us. We took care of them, I think. Okay, okay. We gave the bartender last night a a workout, kind of switching from Bedlam to BYU. We were like those annoying people. So we took care of We took care of them. Nonic, if you're ever in Columbus, Georgia, great place. Late food. Columbus, Georgia, not a lot of late dining options. Uh, Yeah. Fine, fine bar food. Pat and I had a nice meat and cheese plate and uh, a cocktail as we uh, as we relived the uh, relived the Iron Bowl. But yes, uh, we we both evaded any Columbus, Georgia authorities. So that was really the goal for our 48 (laughs) hours there. Okay. We enjoyed our time on the banks of the Chattahoochee. Got to come yes, down, Dan. Uh, first off, yes, there were did. three Waffle Houses in Columbus alone. <laughs> uh, maybe more. Actually, maybe more. Let me see. So oh, my you goodness. Go wait, 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 wait. At- Hold on. You, I want guess how many there are. Um, Literally. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say five, and two of them are like a block from Fort Benning. Oh, good point. Here we go. The Wetzel investigative reporting. If you're willing to count Phoenix City, Alabama, okay, okay right which is the, the cross, the, cross yes. the river, the greater Columbus, Georgia metropolitan area, uh, there are uh, 12. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Wow. 12. Wow. It's still not enough. One time, the great Steve Politi of the uh, NJ.com, New York Star Ledger, he he tried to go to 18 Waffle Houses in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, <laughs> in one day. Why? I don't know. But he's yeah. a legend. So don't tell us there's no late night dining. The Waffle House is always there for you. So this is a good quirk, like a good SEC Southern quirk. The 
you stay in Columbus, it's on East Coast time. Auburn is on Central time. So you're coming back at 9.30, and then all of a sudden you cross the bridge and it's 10.30. So the uh, it, it changes the dynamic. Um, that yeah, was a, uh, that was We were a, yeah. very happy that Nanak was serving food till, you know, midnight, that, that, because we lost an hour right going across the Chattahoochee. Uh, <laughs> and I did a lot of math on fingers and toes to do that. Wait a minute. So it's going to be, what time when we get there? What time is it here? <laughs> what, what time do we have to leave to, to watch the Ohio State-Michigan game when we, when we go? There was a lot of, uh, you know, any of the math professors at Syracuse in Missouri would have been aptly embarrassed uh, watching, watching the performance of us trying to deal with a one-hour time change midday. All right, I have two questions on this Alabama-Auburn game. Uh, Alabama survives. I think even if they had lost, if they win, whatever was going to happen next week is what's going to determine their playoff fate. But um, actually, I have three questions, okay? Are all these struggles enough that two-loss Bama is, go- is not going to be a playoff team? Or, or think- can they still stay in this thing with Notre Dame sitting there now at, at 11 and one Notre Dame and Oklahoma state. I mean, I, I think if they lose, they're out. I do. I mean, they, they have somehow gotten here at 11 and one, but look, Auburn was a bad team. Auburn came in here six and five on a three game losing streak, playing a backup quarterback and had Alabama beaten. Absolutely had them beat and then let them off the hook. They struggled to beat Arkansas. They struggled to beat LSU. They struggled to beat Florida. They, I think they've had about two impressive games this year, frankly. I just don't – I'm not – I have not really ever bought the the Alabama, you know, playoff caliber team. I, I just don't see it right now. And so I, I, if, I, if it's up to me, I'm looking at an 11-2 and two Alabama and saying, no, I think, I think there's better. Pete, you agree? I, I do agree. I've never seen an Alabama offensive line struggle in the way. And look, Auburn has a good defensive front, right? But it is not some elite mauling unit. The, the, Alabama's right tackle in the first half was just a total turnstile. They, they, they changed him out at halftime. But it was just like Alabama needs two yards and they can't get two yards. There just wasn't an answer there. And my little you know psychologist theory, and much like I didn't take any math classes in college, I didn't take any psychology classes, on why Saban was so emotional in that game was because it's probably not going to get better than this for this Alabama team. Like he might have felt like, that, you know, this is our moment. We came into this, this house of horrors of the of the pick six and of the Trojan punter last year and of the you know the kick six pick six all the all the you know the Cam Newton game wasn't there but we we exercised some demons with this team that wasn't that good you know he would obviously not say that out loud but I I feel like some of his emotion I mean he sounded like Ted Lasso after that game was because he felt like they they rang everything they could out of uh, out of this uh, out of this group and look I mean boy did Alabama lose a lot last year so just sometimes that's hard to overcome i mean they have one really high-end offensive lineman and that catches up to you you know they've had great great tight ends they're just okay there now they have very good skill but it's not best ever assembled skill which they had for a couple years running there you know in the conversation for that so look this is this is nice look georgia's not going to beat alabama 42 to nothing 
in in the uh, in the SEC title game this week. But Georgia's front seven should make it very difficult for Alabama to move the ball. And hey, props to Bryce Young. Like that's a moment. I mean, he's going to be a promising young quarterback. We watched play football in college and beyond for a long time. And that drive, that ninety-seven yard uh, minute thirty-six, he completed that third and eight early where he danced up in the pocket and found Mechie. Uh, they completed a fourth and ten later to Billingsley. I hadn't caught a ball all day, and he catches a he catches the ball on fourth and ten, and uh, and then the the, the ball to. Uh, the, the the freshman receiver Jacory from Miami was it was as beautiful a clutch throw as you'll find in college football this season. So okay, let know. me add my third question, then I'm going to make it my second one. Why am I hearing all this? Bryce Young had a Heisman moment, and Bryce Young for Heisman, the man was 25 of 51. I don't like picking on college players, so I apologize to Bryce Young. He's a terrific quarterback, and he's going to be a great quarterback. But how the hell do you have a Heisman moment when you're leading a, a, a final drive against a prevent defense when you've scored three points? Like, do we just have to give it to the Alabama kid? <laughs> He's 25 <laughs> of 51 for 317 yards. What's that? Six, six points, something, two per attempt. He had an interception. They scored three points. He was not very good until that last drive. He really so how wasn't. is he winning the Heisman? He's going to win I, the Heisman. He isn't winning the Heisman for me. Not These yet. voters uh, suck. <laughs> how could you pick him to win the Heisman? Like, you well, had a Heisman I, moment. What is this, freaking Disney movies? Well, I never Why did we have moments? How about be good all the moments? <laughs> if you were better in the earlier moments, then they wouldn't have needed the Heisman moment. I, 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 I'm not, I hate the Heisman. He can't win it. Come on. <laughs> well, I came out of la like last week. Everybody's like, well, it's CJ Stroud and it's Bryce Young. I was like, says who? I mean, why does it have to be those guys? Just because it's the Ohio State quarterback and the Alabama quarterback? No, I'm telling you, you look at the top six teams and we can we can discuss this if you want. I think the best player on all top, all the top six teams is a defensive player. Yeah. I think the, I think I would, I think you could come up with a one, two, three Heisman ballot that was all defense. Yeah. I Will really Ander do. You want to vote for an Alabama player? Give it to Will Anderson. Will Anderson's the best player on Alabama's team. Jordan Davis is the best player on Georgia's team. Kyle Hamilton's the best player on Notre Dame's team. Uh, you could argue Sauce Gardner. I mean, Desmond Ritter, it's kind of close. There's a bunch of guys maybe at, at Cincinnati. Uh, who am I leaving off? Oh, Oklahoma State. Hutchinson. What's Hutchinson. That? Aiden Hudson. Oh, Aiden Aiden Hutchinson, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean. That's it. So. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I see this thing blows. Oh, the Heisman moment. Oh, here we go. I'm like, what? It's a prevent. It is a great drive. Congratulations. You won the Iron Bowl. They should talk about you uh, around Alabama forever, and you're going to be great next year. But how the hell do you win a Heisman trophy when you've scored three points against Auburn? And you lead the final drive, and then Auburn blows the. Why? And this is my other question: Why the heck didn't they didn't they go for the two after the first touchdown in overtime? They had a great two point play. They got a, a quarterback on backup QB on one leg. Why are they extending the game against Alabama? What are you doing, Brian Hartson? They made two terrible plays, Auburn. One where Tank Bigsby, who was fighting for yardage, but still the clock was all that mattered, and if he hadn't gone out of bounds. Alabama probably doesn't pull off that last driver. They're certainly in a more desperate position. They're having to make deeper throws than they, you know, because they lost 40 seconds or would have lost 40 seconds. And then, yeah, the two-point play, they absolutely should have done. As you said, TJ Finley could barely move. And then when they did have to go for two, they tried out a great play that works great like play. a charm. It's like you run that and win the game and walk out of there 18-17, you know? If I just, you, I, if I you have Brian the Harson inferior team... 
and you're I was listening on the radio, okay, because I was I was driving back. Whose announcers uh, did you have? I don't know because I got it off some some. It was it sounded like Alabama's, but it didn't. Eli Gold. Well, I don't think it was. I don't know what I was getting. It was kind of something. You might have been thing. a Westwood One situation where you it got might have been. Might have. I don't know what I got. Yeah. It's one of those you just hit in the eight. Yeah. And then, you, and then you hear some play by play, and you're like, "Is that it?" And then it's like, "No, it's like a high school game in like Ohio." Yeah. And you're like, "Ah, I don't know what is that? All right, third down and ten. You're like, "What is? This? Is this Alabama? Oh no, that ain't it. You know." And you get like the Navy broadcast or something. Yeah. I, gosh, you got to hit that button. I have no idea where I'm getting this thing, but. Uh, they were like the Auburn players are on the on their knees, like gasping, like the defense, like they're exhausted. I'm like, end this game. Oh my god! I mean, that's I I, I, I don't know. Like that isn't that just coaching 101? Like end it. It's like I, a boxing. Was, it's like a boxing contract where the where the underdog hopes for more rounds. Yeah. Like no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I was really surprised they didn't just go with it right then and there i that, that didn't make sense to me for all of the reasons you know hang around long enough alabama's gonna beat you <laughs> brian brian harson delivered us the quintessential onions play call of this generation in college football he delivered he a statue the two-point conversion yeah. to beat oklahoma in the fiesta bowl all right like that is the single greatest play call of my career if and I it was a two-point call in overtime before you had to do all those two-point calls oh right because they said go. guess what we can't hang with Oklahoma for like five score five overtimes we're Boise ah well that, yeah, their their last three offensive calls of that Fiesta Bowl were the hook and ladder to get the game into overtime and then an OT a halfback pass for the touchdown and then the statue for the two-pointer I mean, onions on top of onions on top of onions. Where did that guy go? Yeah. And the the play they ran to get their two-point conversion that just kept overtime going was essentially the same play Missouri ran to beat Florida. It was a tight end throwback. The tight end throwback is the ultimate, like, two-point, like, hobby horse play, right? But it's, it is that because it's effective. I mean, it, it is undeniably effective, especially in a game where their pass rushers are rushing. Um, and, you know, clearly T.J. Finley's limp was an indication of the, the, the long afternoon that he'd had. It was a perfect play call that was that was just disappointing because even if you don't get it like brian harson amid a four-game losing streak terrible recruiting and an awkward fit like needed to deliver some hope and that would have been an adrenaline shot of hope and i think that there will be more grumbles about him going to the fetal position and not going for it than if he had gone for it and not gotten it 100 percent and we still don't know whether he's vaccinated. And on December 8th, Auburn has got this deadline where you have to be vaccinated. And he hasn't well, I, said, I, I, I don't know, anyone know what's going to happen there? I'm here to tell you, his post-game press conference, which I heard some of, was was weird. Like, he was very defensive. Like, he feels like the walls are closing in a little bit. Now, maybe he's either imagining it or they really are. One of the two. I but. mean, whether you think that you should get vaccinated or not, this is the rule. So, like... I, I don't know. Is he going to coach there on December 9th? If he had stayed at Boise, he he probably would have, you know, he'd be like the hottest coach in the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to be sitting there going, I'll take that. I'll take that. I think he jumped a year too early. Hard to say when you're getting that much money to go to Auburn, but very interesting situation down the plains. Cause that was, that, those, I, there was a lot of things bothering me about this game <laughs> and I wasn't even there.
<laughs> you were listening on the radio. On the Maybe damn radio. Look at me a high against Canton McKinley. You're probably oh, no. picking up half She's the time 25 in there. for 51 today. That's a Heisman moment. <laughs> but it looked really good on TV. And lots of people who don't pay attention were watching. And they happen to have Heisman votes. <laughs> okay. You want a Heisman moment? Watch Will Anderson terrorize people. If you really have your, you just have to vote for an Alabama guy. Come on, you guys. It's just, I hate that. I hate that trophy. Too many voters. All right, uh, let's get on. We got too much stuff. They'll let anyone get a Heisman vote, too. They will. (laughs) They, uh, Bedlam, I don't even know what to say. We told you it was uh, a hell mouth would open in the middle of Oklahoma and everyone gets sucked (laughs) in. And the best thing to do is stay home and get drunk. (laughs) Told you. Told you. Okay. I don't even know how to get, explain this thing. There were things happening I have never seen happen in football before. Like there were plays where I was like, wow, I never, you, but there was one play where there was a, a backward lateral that the, the Oklahoma kid just kicked out of bounds. Like he was, like he was uh, Carly Lloyd. <laughs> never saw that play in my life. Flag. It was like, can't you're not allowed to soccer kick a football out of bounds. Like I had no idea. Never seen anyone even attempt that before. All sorts of stuff happening. Huge, huge win at the end. A fumbled, uh, a fumbled uh, punt uh, gives basically gives the, gives uh, Cowboys the game. But uh, but Oklahoma State's defense was terrific in the second half. Uh, they almost blew it at the end, but they didn't. And the mullet rides on. They get Baylor this weekend. Uh, I've said it all along. This is a team that's got a great argument for a playoff. This is a different type of Oklahoma State team. I think they should be able to beat Baylor. And I, I think they're they're a dangerous little club. They're, I give them all the credit. This is a really good team. They always lose that game. They always find a way to lose. Saturday, they found a way to win it. Yeah, and that uh, they, this was our, uh, like, you had your deal where you were driving, listening to the radio. Pete and I were driving, and Pete was trying to get... Uh, the, we were trying to get the TV, the video of the game up on Pete's phone, and then we lost that. And so then we picked up radio, and then we lost that. And we were just kind of like trying to cobble together everything that was happening. And it was that was when it's like muff, punt, touchdown, you know, as you said, kick the ball out punts. of bounds. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, I was doing a poor job. Pat drove. He was kind enough to drive. Pat has a Pat loves that Chattahoochee area so much. Uh, you know, I always let him. But I was like navigating, which job I take very seriously and trying to get, but I had the game on XM radio at first um, and it was behind. So I have Twitter alerts for Dan and Dan's like, muff punt, crazy stuff. And I'm like, it's third and six. I was like, mm, this isn't <laughs> yeah, good. You're behind. So yeah, yeah. Then we had to go YouTube TV, which is a little behind still, but was like a little better. Um, I also wanted Pat to watch the road. And I knew Pat, if I had, if I had the game <laughs> on there, Pat would be watching you. the road. There's like deer running around down there. And yeah. We so didn't get the My Cousin fit. Vinny uh, double. Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, shot the, I shot the clerk. I shot yeah, the clerk. Look, Long story short, the good people at Nanak got us got it on for us uh, at the last couple minutes there in, uh, in Columbus. Wow. It was a fun. It was, uh, uh, it was a crazy game. I mean, there were yeah. just there's times I don't even understand the the Oklahoma State offense. Sometimes there's times guys are running in the wrong direction. <laughs> like it's, I, they're just people running. They're just in, they're just running in places that you're not don't normally see people run. And yet at the end of the day, they win. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on. I'm watching them. Like, what is this? Is this football? It, it just it all well, works out in the end. They, here, here's God my question, man. Since you since you watched the game, Dan, yeah, uh, I have to ask: Was the fix in? Because this is interesting to me, provocative at the very least. Terry McCauley, who does you know some of the TV officiating analyst oh, no. guys, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. So for all the he, calls against Oklahoma, he was just, well. He was referring particularly. He's apparently Bill Lamonia. He was another who was the one who was actually doing the game. Said that there was an obvious foul for unnecessary roughness on Oklahoma State, and they talk, talked about it, and they picked up the flag. So they said he thought it was the wrong call, but then Terry McCauley shows a freeze frame of the two officials talking, and one of them is adjusting the earpiece. Yeah, Bob Bolsby. Yeah, Bob Bolsby yeah, was calling he, in. He says, we, he says, this is always disturbing during on-field conversations. We often see officials messing around with the earpiece. We know that not only the replay official can talk to them, but so can the command center, which is the Big 12 office. Mm-hmm. It's certainly possible the referee incorrectly talked him out of the foul with no one else involved, but it was a very long conversation, and it's not unreasonable to speculate someone else was involved. Boom. He just threw a Molotov cocktail in there, basically saying the Big 12 put the fix in on that call because Oklahoma's leaving the league. Not completely unreasonable, huh? No, not. Other than it being a federal offense. <laughs> I mean, look, okay, Bob Bowlesby, <laughs> you know, I don't think he'd ever, he'd ever say I was his greatest champion out there. I say, yeah, but I don't believe he's going to risk incarceration by trying to fix a game where there is legal wagering on and have the FBI show up. Okay. I don't think that's what's great. And let me just say this. I don't know. Was there bad calls? Yeah, absolutely. If, if the refs, cheated to help Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. Well, they owe them for about a hundred damn years of helping cheat to have Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State. The, <laughs> the pokes were due. The pokes were due. Let me ask this. How bad was the call? We That is at the point we were listening on the radio. Right. According so, to the very, very biased Oklahoma State. And I, don't, oh, I don't recall yeah. it being that. I don't know. I wasn't yeah, watching that They were that like, pick up the flag. They weren't even oh. describing the action. They were just yeah, outraged no. at the call. And so of all I have the no things sense. that happened, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there was a lot happened. The Oklahoma kid dropped a punt on the five-yard line. That's why Oklahoma lost. <laughs> Catch the ball. Lincoln, it's all because Lincoln Riley was staring west out to California, <laughs> thinking of his, he didn't teach him to catch a ball. When they punt it to you, catch it. He's all thinking right, I, the sunsets are better in California than in Norman. I, we have this tweet out. I, I just, I'll just read this. Sully just sent this to us. Adam Schefter, and it's got the little check mark. It's not like one of those Adam Schefter things. <laughs> not a fake. Oklahoma has targeted the Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, as one of the potential replacements for Lincoln Riley, comma, league sources tell ESPN. Kingsbury is one year remaining on his contract after this season. Let me tell you what sources Cliff Kingsbury's agent. <laughs> you think Cliff Kingsbury's not leaving? What? I mean, just this house alone in Scottsdale, he can't leave. Come right? on. Like, he's, he's like, what are he they like? Fly there and back every day. He's got a chance to win the Super Bowl. He's got the one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. But he does need a contract, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not buying them. I'm sure they are targeting him. But then again, I mean, he was terrible in the Big 12. He's not a good college quarterback. Uh, uh, he doesn't recruit well enough. They're nine right. and two. I know. I, I, like, if I were Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, I would not go back to college half. Compare my record there versus my record in the NFL. And his recruiting it. classes were like three quarterbacks and seventeen wide receivers. That was it. Like, you get one <laughs> linebacker, 
was the whole recruiting Go class. The Bears or something, right? Like there's Patrick not, Mahomes there's, and had two yeah. two out of his three years were losing seasons. It's Patrick Mahomes. Was he going to get a better recruit than that? No way. <laughs> Not happening. Not happening. Uh, how, uh, never say never. Uh, pretty close. All right. We're going. I mean, there's too much stuff, but let's get to this last one because um, we're going to miss him. If nothing else, go Tigers. Coach O, I think you just had to root for Coach O winning this game. Coach O stuffs it up. Everybody beats AM. Whether his boss that fired him wants the other coach, Jimbo Fisher, the pacemaker shootout. Coach O wins the game, immediately ends with a go Tigers, and then says he's going to Destin with his girlfriend. He's riding off into the sunset with all his money. Guy has so much money, but he can't dream bigger than Destin. I mean, it's a nice place and all. <laughs> you got Maui money, buddy. You got Maui money. <laughs> go Tigers. Is that great? And, and, you know, Jimbo joins James Franklin in the uh, 10-year uh, contract extension Hall of Fame so far. With uh, what's he got four losses this year? Franklin's yeah. went two and five down the stretch. Got a ten year deal. Good lord, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, what a sport, man! Everybody's getting paid this season. Yeah, I, I thought LSU was going to win that game. I did. I I picked them uh, in the dash. Just I, I thought it's set up. I, I mean, Texas A&M. What did they have to play for? And they've been a crashing disappointment. And I thought LSU would pony up one more time for O, and they did. So, you know, good for him to go out that way. And if he wants to go to Destin, you let him go to Destin. Quit picking on the man, Dan. Let him, he, can, he can pick his beach. doesn't have to be your <laughs> beach of choice. It only has to be Coach O's beach of choice. It's a nice beach. It's a nice beach. Good beach. So here's the, here's the big Coach O question. Does Louisiana hire him? Oh. <laughs> he really is perfect there, isn't he? Just that could happen, right? I don't think be, it will. I don't think I, he wants I, the coach. I think that would be good for the podcast. I don't think he's really coached for two years. <laughs> he's got all his money. He's got this girlfriend. He's got Destin. He'd just sit down there and eat like shrimp and do the happy hour no special agents. and have guys come by and take pictures with them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Be, it would be, that would certainly, that hire would win Twitter. I don't know if oh it would win the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt's very competitive right now, too. It's a Sun Belt is a sneaky, intriguing league. And look, it if is. you're listening to the you know one hour and two minute mark of this podcast or wherever we are, you you like the Sun Belt, right? Like you're you have you have you have probably wagered on a Sun Belt game if you're waiting this deep with us. National right. champion coach goes to Sun Belt. Yeah, I've already ripped the regular Heisman voters. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm gonna have my own Heisman moment. Let's hand out the small sample Heisman. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? For my small sample Heisman, I am going to go to Wake Forest. 10 and 2 ACC Atlantic Division champion Wake Forest. Think about that for a minute. Wake Forest is going to play in the ACC title game. Uh, Sam Hartman, their steady Eddie quarterback, running that funky offense with the delayed run and the uh, and the the innovative RPOs. He's 20 for 32, 236 yards, three touchdowns, and the Demon Deacons rolled BC in Boston on Saturday, 41 to 10. Good on good on Wake Forest. Good on Wake Forest for extending and locking in and financially committing to Dave Clawson. Props to Dave for sticking around and keeping that story going. And props to John Curry for rallying the funds. Uh, Sam Hartman, 
will be a Heisman candidate next season. All right, I'm going to go uh, to the other team in the Big 12 championship game. We talked about Oklahoma State, but how about Baylor uh, completing a remarkable 10-2 regular season after going 2-7 and seven last year? Uh, and I'm going with Abram Smith, running back who was a linebacker last year, and they moved him back to running back in the spring, and all he's done... His rush for 1,366 yards this year and 12 touchdowns. He went for a buck 17 and one as they beat Texas Tech. He's had five 100 yard games in his last six games. Uh, great job by Abram Smith, small sample Heisman. Great job, Baylor. They also locked up their quarterback or their, their coach, it appears, for the long haul in Dave Aranda. Uh, all right, my small sample Heisman is going to go to Tyler Algier. Uh, 21 rushes, 111 yards for the BYU Cougars, two touchdowns. Uh, it was a well-rounded offensive effort, but they did defeat USC 35 to 31. BYU is 10 and two. They own five victories over the Pac-12, five and zero. Oh. They should really be four of them are against the uh, the uh, Pac-12 South, I believe. You think they're going to show up in Vegas next week <laughs> and just be like, "Hey, they should. we should be here." They should <laughs> show not? up and be like, "What is it, posers? We beat all you guys." Um, incredible season for BYU. They're heading to the Big 12. Let me say this about the Big 12, too. Big 12's got a shot at having Oklahoma State and Cincinnati in the playoff, and they're adding BYU, who's basically the beat everybody in the Pac-12, practically. Like, I know they're losing. They're going to lose their Texas and uh, Oklahoma at some point, but in terms of the here and now, how bad. Absolutely. <laughs> going to have the playoff field. So that they're doing all right, but a great season by BYU. It's just, just done an incredible job, and that is a lot of lot of victories uh, over the uh, over the Pac-12. So nice job, Tyler. You can uh, win it for your uh, for your team there. All right, we've said a lot of mean things on this podcast. Gotten a little off, a lot of unhinged, a little bit. It's also been a long podcast, so maybe we've we've built up a little bit of goodwill in us, a little warmth in our heart. Uh, can anyone say something nice? Can we do it? That is the challenge we have here, Pat. I think can I can you, do it. You can say something nice. All right. Yeah, I'm going to try. I I, I want to say something nice just about rivalry week itself, which is always, you know, it's a, such a great ending and the way it coincides with Thanksgiving weekend. And you get four days, basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, you don't get Sunday, but you, you get three days of college football and it, 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 it delivered tremendously this year, as it often does. We had the Egg Bowl Thursday night. We had a kind of crazy Iowa-Nebraska on Friday. We had North Carolina-North Carolina State go back and forth Friday night. And then Saturday, you know, from noon till midnight was just phenomenal. Uh, we got the big house and storm in the field there in the snow. And then Pete and I are at the, egg, uh, the Iron Bowl on a beautiful, crisp fall afternoon. Feel the intensity of the Auburn fans and then see the stadium deflate when they can't finish the deal. And then at night, you've got Bedlam. Uh, it was just great and i whoever decided that there should be you know grudge matches and rivalries and trophies and all that stuff good job because you're giving us a lot of fun to ways to end the season there you go pete can you say something nice? with so much michigan chatter on the podcast i think it's only fitting to say something nice about old friend brady hoke San Diego State finishes this season 11-1. and They're ranked 22nd. They came back and beat Boise pretty handily on, uh, I think that game was Friday, uh, Friday at noon. The only loss came to Fresno State. They 
have wins over a very good Utah team, and they beat a uh, pedestrian-to-bad Arizona team. But Brady Hoke, in his second act, it's not often a guy can go back to a place like Brady Hoke did go back to San Diego State and recapture the same magic. They have a strong identity. They have the 3-3-5 on defense. They have a conservative smash-mouth offense. Brady Hoke's 11-1. and Good for him, man, and good for him and finding the right fit. Good for the school for not having the ego of, oh, he left us. It's It's been a perfect match and uh, happy for Brady, happy for San Diego State. Yeah, great guy. I love that he's got all that buyout money to, to afford living in San Diego, right? Like nothing better than San Diego if you got money. Uh, he's just coaching, winning, doesn't have to ever leave the whole bit. All right, I'm going to say something uh, nice uh, about uh, field stormings. And I got one example, one specific example, but it was great. Uh, they, they stormed the fields all over the country. Uh, incredible one in Oklahoma State and Stillwater. They filled it in the snow at at, uh, at Michigan. The the Minnesota one was great. It was all over. Uh, my one of my favorite my favorite other than this one I'm about to mention was Washington State fans, the students who most of them live in in the Seattle area and went to the game against Washington, uh, storming Husky Stadium field after Washington State beats Washington. Is there anything more insulting than the other team's fans storming your field? And then does the Pac-12 fine Washington? Like, do, do, does Washington have to pay? <laughs> For Washington State storming. <laughs> Stormed your field. Now you owe them 25 grand. That's what I want to see, or 250 grand. All because the other guy, I mean, that just, they should take that out of some of these buyouts. But this is the guy, Greg Haas. Greg Haas is a lifelong NC State fan. How lifelong? Lifelong. His license plate reads H. Hate UNC. Hate UNC. That's his license plate. He lives in Virginia. Drives down to every Raleigh game, uh, down to Raleigh for every game. Uh, he's 44 years old. Uh, he wore game the game on, on Friday night. His shirt uh, was in uh, NC State red. And it read, Carolina sucks. <laughs> at, at the tailgate before the game, they ate a smoked eight-pound uh, lamb leg. A symbolic wow. meal because UNC's mascot is a ram. <laughs> that's i mean this guy is a fan so he's at the game and uh if you watch the wolfpack scores two touchdowns the last 30 seconds uh to win 34 30 i'm getting the, all the details here from the raleigh news and observer i don't want to ben simmons good job on this tracking this guy down so uh the final interception happens my wife turns to me says you gotta go they're gonna they're gonna storm the field earlier in the year when nc state beat clemson his dad jumped over. His now this guy's 44. So his dad's like at least in his 60s. His dad jumped over the wall to rush the field. So he thought he could do the same. Unfortunately, as Haas said, I landed on my feet, but my leg just kind of gave out. I remember going down face first. The jump seemed fine. The landing just didn't quite work out. It's like a Simone Biles quote. <laughs> he got the twisties. Yeah, got the twisties. <laughs> Shatters his leg in two oh, places. Oh. Okay. But is is Greg Haas upset? Heck no. They strap him onto a onto a gurney. They're wheeling him out. He's laughing, screaming. He's doing this hand signal, the Wolfpack hand signal, I guess. He's all excited. He's got pictures on his Instagram in the hospital. Uh, he's, he's wearing his Carolina sucks shirt. <laughs> I don't know if I would do it again, knowing that this happened to me, but I definitely don't regret it. It was 100% worth it. Oh, I love it. Now that is rivalry week, baby. 
44-year-old man shatters his leg in two places because he hates North Carolina, a six-and-six football team so much. <laughs> and he's happy about it. <laughs> That's he's in, beautiful. He's in the imagine news and observer. Imagine if they covered. Pat would have been out there with him. <laughs> oh, blown yeah. ACL. <laughs> Damn it. Not easy being an NC State fan. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not. Uh, They've had a lot of stuff go wrong over the years. So good for him. I'm still not sure it's worth breaking your leg in two places, but you know. Yeah, well, you just don't age eight UNC as much as this dude. (laughs) No, I don't. He's got to, the real trouble is his orthopedic surgeon in Virginia, turns out, is a UNC grad. So he's a little worried about that. So there you go. See if they can put. See how bad this rivalry sticks with the Carolina fans. That's a great story. That's a great story. Good job, News and Observer. Uh, All right, this has been very, very long, but there's a lot happening. We're going to be back on uh, Tuesday to preview Championship Week. The playoff is is is, the field is narrowing. You know, a lot to be settled. So sorry we didn't get to everything, but you know, a lot of stuff happening. Please uh, continue to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Leave us reviews. Tell your friends about us. We'll talk to you later.